This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod, PuckCast, with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes 24 AJ, off the top, I'm not surprised that so many top players led their teams in scoring last week. The season's winding down, and you can almost feel the playoff intensity rising in recent games. And when we look at teams that are, are playing so well at this stage of the season, one team leaps to the forefront. And I want to talk a little bit about the Boston Bruins. They, uh, they saw a 19-game point streak, co- consecutive games without losing in regulation time, snapped by the, re- uh, the Penguins uh, on Sunday night. And I saw troubling signs in, in recent narrow wins over Florida and Ottawa last week for the Bruins because I'm watching them very closely as the Leafs likely rival in the first round and, and uh, I was reminded of a saying in hockey that says you play a bad game or two but get away with it before a slump ensues and uh, the opposite is true with with a winning streak. Uh, that could be happening here despite all the people that, that are out there that are saying oh Boston's been, been phenomenal and they're totally legit and all the rest. I'm not discounting that but I'm just uh, looking at a, uh, a bit of caution in the Bruins situation. They've got a tough schedule coming up. They've got two games against Columbus, one against Winnipeg, and one against the Islanders. Three of those games on the road. This will be a real challenging week for the Bruins, I think, and uh, they've got to right the ship uh, that, that sprung a leak or two in the last week. Uh, there's more than just one loss on in in the rear view window that they've got to be thinking about just to keep them sharp as the playoffs ensue. What's your observation of that team and that streak? Yeah, I think uh, the most uh, kind of intriguing thing to me about the streak itself is that they did it without David Pasternak in the right, lineup. Right. Um, and so that's that's impressive on its own. Um, they are starting to pick up a couple of injuries, and I think that's maybe what we're starting to see here. You got Jake DeBrusque, uh, Marcus Johansson, obviously Kevin Miller. Uh, Matt Grizelich on the on the blue line there, and so uh, these are going to start to add up a little bit here, and so uh, that's my concern with them going forward is is whether they can continue to weather you know 
uh, weather the storm, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, heading into this. Uh, obviously, I think it's all on the backs of Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak and, and whether these guys can continue uh, their strong run of form here. And so uh, it wasn't, uh, in my opinion, it wasn't a, a bad outing by Halak mm-hmm. by any means. Uh, gave up just three of those goals. Uh, they got a shorty at the end, so or uh, empty netter at the end. So uh, obviously, I, I think there's still... Uh, potential here they could continue to kind of go on a run but I do think they need to get healthy uh, sooner rather than later here but yeah as you said some really tough games on the schedule Uh, so but before we kick off the rest of the show I'll just do my weekly reminder that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those for you as Paul mentioned you can follow me at AJ Schultz 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman 22. All right AJ and let's be begin with a look at the the first of the 31 teams we always review and that's the Anaheim Ducks they were two and two last week and uh, out of the rubble of a, a lost season they're getting a look at uh, youngsters who might uh, figure in one of them had a pretty good week uh, Troy Terry had a had a big week last week for them so I'm keeping an eye on him uh, you might get a look at some top six minutes uh, in terms of other people that are doing going well we want to highlight veterans like that seems to be the theme of what we saw last week so Adam Henrique four goals. Jakob Silverberg, two goals and three assists. Uh, Also a tip of the cap there to Max Jones. He picked up his first NHL goal and he's shown a nice shot on goal rate through a 20-game audition at left wing on the third line. I think there's more to come for this guy. The dam burst in terms of looking for that first goal and uh, I, I think Based on the activity that I see out of him, I expect more of the, more of the recent uh, kind of turnouts uh, to be a regular thing on his uh, game logs going forward. Other things to note, Ricard Raquel is back on the number one line with Getzlaff and Perry, and uh, Nick Ritchie drops to a left wing on the second line. Yeah, I think there's some good news uh, into the future for for Ducks fans here. You know, you've got Daniel Sprong uh, goals in each of his last two games. Uh, so he's starting to to heat up a little bit. Uh, I really like some of the guys, younger guys they have on the blue line here. Uh, you know, Jacob Larson, I, I think, can uh, become a contributor for him. Jake, uh, Jacob Magna, I think, could uh, work his way into being a factor here as well. couple guys with some solid AHL pedigree there. So uh, I think, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Obviously, this season uh, is over and done with in, in terms of going anywhere. But there's definitely some pieces here that could be put together, uh, you know, and kind of assembled in, into a decent young team uh, next year. And in Arizona, this is a, te- a decent young team right now. They're making a strong push for uh, playoff participation. And good news on the IR, they, they got Chris Fisher back, and he slots in right away as a right wing on the top line. So don't sleep on him if you got a chance to put in some a guy with some pretty good uh, DF- DFS value if he gets that kind of a, a gig right off the hop. Uh, Dvorak, uh, two goals and one assist as the second-line center. Uh, although uh, on the downside there, Nick Cousins was blanked in four, in four games last week as the number one line center. They've got some injuries up front, and these two guys have been pressed to uh, react, and one was favorable, the other guy not so much. So we want to keep an eye on that situation. On the blue line, Chikorin picked up three points last week, partnered with Goligoski, another scoring D. They've got a wealth of scoring defensemen here on the, on the Coyotes roster uh, that's uh, kind of given them uh, a lot of assets back there. You wonder if they're going to nurse them or try and move them for some help up front 
Well, yeah, and you've got Jason Demers as well. You know, a little bit of a of an older player there. Uh, had the the injury this year, so his his stat line won't exactly show it. But he's generally a twenty uh, could push for thirty point kind of guy as well. So uh, there are just a ton of options here. And and honestly, I you know in terms of uh, potentially selling to to bolster in other spots, I, I just don't see it. I think they have a lot of ton young talent uh, that they'll try and just develop this summer and hopefully get some playoff experience on as well. So um, I wouldn't expect too much uh, moving and shaking out of Arizona uh, this off season. But uh, for me, obviously everything they've been doing lately starts and stops in the nets with Darcy Kemper. Now, granted he had a rough outing against Chicago, uh, you know, four goals on, on 16 shots before getting the hook. But prior to that uh, had, you know, went eight and one in his previous nine games, a 1.75 goals against average in that stretch and so he's really been the key to this team which is you know uh gonna make for some interesting decisions you know this offseason they'll eventually get anti ranta back and healthy he's dealt with injuries throughout his time in arizona and so it'll be interesting to see what they want to do uh in terms of net mining uh you know down the down the road but obviously this you know the focus for them right now is on this season and, and hoping that uh, Kemper can stay as hot as possible. And a team that we've talked about off the top that's as hot as possible is the Boston Bruins. They went 3-1 and one last week despite that loss that we spent some time talking about. And the leaders are leading here offensively. Marshawn, a goal and five assists. Bergeron, three goals, one assist. And the guy who saved their bacon a couple of times late in games, David Krejci, kind of an unsung guy as a second-line center here and usually a pretty good DFS value. Four goals and one helper there. But I'm looking at this lineup, AJ, and I'm not inspired by that second line. I think there's got to be some concerns there in, in Bruintown with Peterson. Alaric and David Backus slated to play second line minutes right now on the wings and uh, neither one of them is really lighting things up offensively because uh, they, they had to put, put them there because as you mentioned they're missing three wingers with Hertz. Uh, no news really on the David Pasternak front that I see. Bar- Marcus Johansson and Jake Debrusque out of lineup. That's two offensive guys as you mentioned earlier that they miss a big time and I think they're going to get Debrusque back quickly but uh, soon rather but Marcus Johansson I'm not so sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the obviously I think the the issue with Johansson is, you know, putting uh, a, a firm timeline on it with that being a, a lung contusion. Now they said approximately a week, um, but obviously I think that uh, is kind of just guesswork to see, you know, how that, you know, how that injury, uh, you know, progresses. Uh, Pasternak, same thing. You know, the the thumb uh, continues to be an issue. Uh, and hasn't been able to work his way back quite yet. But I think, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, perhaps this weekend, maybe. Um, And so from that standpoint, uh, I'm not overly concerned. I think you skate through uh, with that second line for a little bit here. Pasternak comes back. uh, He's obviously moving to the top. That'll let you move Denton Heinen down. Uh, Same thing with DeBrusque. uh, And then even Johansson, you could be back in a situation uh, that they had earlier in the year with David Backus, you know, for a lack of production is a healthy scratch. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see that again. He just hasn't produced this year, you know, just 15 points in 57 games. That's a far cry from the 62 point man that he was uh, at at times in St. Louis. Yeah, we, we 
dissected that team pretty well. So I, I think you you put a real bow on it there. Well done. The Buffalo Sabres, they went 0-2-1 last week. And the big news out of Sabreland, the close out the week, is that Jack, uh, Jack Eichel was suspended for two games for a headshot that he delivered. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, the shot, the shot was definitely to the head. I'm glad to see that he didn't get the superstar treatment uh, at the disciplinary uh, board of the NHL. And... Uh, Faced the, crime, faced the crime and got a punishment that anybody should have got. So nice to see a level play, playing field in that regard. In terms of other roster news here, Alex Nylander, uh, Willie's younger brother, uh, up from Rochester. This guy had a middling term there uh, so far, AJ, that I see. Injury riddled as well in his third pro season. Only 25 points in 44 games down there. It's time for him to show something in his third pro season. And uh, I, I, I think uh, it, we're not too long from calling this guy a bit of a bust if he doesn't show uh, anything in this call-up, I'll say. And in terms of recent additions there, Montour joined this blue line. All of a sudden, they've got some pretty good uh, size and, and uh, ability on the back end. Uh, he got a, he had a two-point game in his home debut post-trade. And I, I think they're getting things in order, at least on the, on the blue line here and uh, they've got some nice pieces they're not too far away from being another contender in a very difficult division absolutely and and unfortunately you know i think we've been saying that for for a little while now yeah a um, couple of years that that the sabers seem like they right they're right there but that does just it is the case with you know they bring in guys like uh you know jeff skinner uh to to help you know there there was a lot of uh, talk about Carter Hutton signing in the offseason and, and how that was going to help. Unfortunately, that hasn't really panned out uh, too well, but definitely uh, they're trending in the right direction. I think what's really important uh, for them right now is that Casey Middlestad will get a shot on that top line with Skinner and Pominville. And I think that's going to be a nice silver lining for them while Eichel is out. A good opportunity for him uh, to really step up and and show what he can do and kind of prove himself here a little bit. You know, his numbers, uh, I think, haven't quite met expectations. Obviously, first year, uh, hard to blame a 19-year-old for only, I put air quotes around that, only getting 21 points. But expectations were really high going into the offseason, uh, into the season. So I think it'll be good for him to play uh, up a little bit and, and take on some more responsibility, take on some more minutes while Eichel uh, is up in the press box. And in Calgary, we're, we're going to talk about one player who has reached and exceeded expectations. Another one that's fallen a little bit short when I make my breakdown. Certainly, Matthew Tuchuk is in the former camp. Four goals and two assists and one of the most difficult guys to play against because he plays a real physical game and he's got a nasty edge to him. Michael Backlund also chipped in with two goals and one helper. The goaltending thing is being volleyed back and forth between Mike Smith and David Riddich. It seems like Smith has moved ahead of him with better play recently and it'll be the hot guy that gets the start in game one. So you can bet that these guys are going to push each other down the stretch and that's a good thing here in Calgary because you've got that competition going on. Elias Lin, uh, Lindholm has been blanked for five games as a right wing on the top line there. That's got to be a bit of a disappointment. But for me, an even bigger one is the, the play of Noah Hannafin. He's been rather ordinary, AJ, when you consider he's on a team that is noted for bringing, uh, bringing out the best in terms of their defensemen. Uh, see Brody and Giordano in terms of that. But th- we're talking about a guy who was a very high draft pick in the first round recently and a very rich draft in terms of talent and he has not really reached expectations for me and i wonder if calgary thinks that there's more they can get out of him 
I definitely think that that they'll certainly try here. And, you know, I think one factor in that is that Michael Stone was recently brought back uh, from his conditioning assignment uh, in the minors and I think could be a factor uh, in how this blue line shakes out the rest of the way. And so maybe uh, there'll be some shuffling around here, uh, guys moving a little bit. And that might uh, change things up and give Hannafin maybe an option, uh, an opportunity to play with somebody else that maybe kind of jumpstarts him here a little bit. Uh, I think what you're going to see out of this team down the stretch right now is that they're going to be uh, going all out to try and catch uh, the Sharks here for that top spot in the Pacific because uh, I don't want to be the number two team and have to play Vegas uh, in the first round of the playoffs, I'd much rather uh, get up to that number one spot and play a Minnesota or an Arizona or uh, potentially even Dallas here as well. So uh, they will probably be, uh, you know, going all out. And as you said, they'll ride the hot hand uh, in between the pipes. In Carolina, we know that they're also uh, shoulder deep in quality defensemen. Brett Pesci has emerged as a guy that I've been watching. I thought he might be dealt at the trade deadline, but he's uh, looking like he's here for the long haul. He put in another solid week, three assists on the back end. Up front, they have taken a bit of a blow, uh, a key piece out of their offense. Michael Furland, he's out with a facial ailment, uh, injury. He took a helmet to the face. Boy, that had to smart. And he brings a lot of physicality and, and as well as scoring, kind of a Matthew Tuchuk light, if you will, to this mix. And that sh- should indicate how valuable I think he is here. Martinook and McGinn are going to take up some of the left-wing minutes that he leaves behind. And in goal, it's interesting to see Peter Morazic emerge here in terms of a battle that's ensued with him and Curtis McElhinney, two veterans who have never really grabbed a number one role. McElhinney's confirmed as a, a career backup, but he's had an outstanding year, and Morazic is matching him, and then some five-game win streak currently with 10 goals against in those uh, starts. Well, and let's not forget, uh, when we entered the season, Scott Darling was the starting netminder right. for Carolina, so obviously uh, they have found something else. And another guy who's uh, found some real success there is uh, Nino Niederreiter. You know, this is a guy, Paul, you have been very critical, and rightly so, of his production. Well, he's played half as many games uh, in Carolina as he did in Minnesota this year and almost has as many points already, 21 in 23 games. He had 23 points in 40 36 games for Minnesota this season and it really seems much more comfortable uh, in his role uh, down in Carolina and he's getting top minutes right now with Sebastian Ajo and Justin Williams and really I don't think necessarily top line uh, assignment wasn't something he was getting in Minnesota they certainly tried him there uh, periodically but for whatever reason uh, the the move has uh, improved things for him and and all signs are pointing up and in Chicago, the shuffling continues uh, offensively, some of it necessitated by a recent concussion that Drake Kajula sustained. Uh, and if you look at this team, there's a, a real weakness on the right wing. Uh, apart from Alex Dabrinkat and Patrick Kane, they, there's a real drop-off there to the likes of Kruger, Hayden, and Sakura. Sakura is getting a look on the top line with Jonathan Taves and, and Brendan Saad. So maybe you're looking at him as a cheap DFS value play. It's uh, This is a team that gets involved in a lot of shootouts of late. Uh, goalies just can't seem to to keep the pocket on that that includes Corey Crawford recently uh, off the IR three and one is the record that's great but he's allowed 14 goals against and that's not so great Uh, he's not got too much competition here in the short term Cam Ward looks to be out for the next two weeks with a knee injury and Colin Delia who performed heroically but really doesn't 
hasn't uh, shown too much other than that uh, is the backup here. Uh, they've tried to spread the offense here to man- mask the fact that defensively they're really suspect. Duncan Keith is holding his own, but I mentioned repeatedly Brent she- Seabrook seemed to have lost a step, and his plus-minus reflects that. And around them, they got four other guys that just uh, maybe wouldn't be playing in the NHL, I don't think, if they had other <laughs> options. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wh- I would like to see Slater Cuckoo get more opportunities with this team. Uh, I think he definitely uh, can be a, a factor here. You know, the the blue line is pretty stacked in, in Tampa Bay, and so I feel like he never really got a shot there and unfortunately isn't here in Chicago either. So obviously uh, there's some concerns that, that the coaching staffs are seeing that, that I'm not, but, um, you know, maybe practice effort, something like that. But I, I kind of would like to see him get an opportunity on the blue line. Uh, you know, I think the Kajulia injury uh, is a big deal for them. It really, as you said, spreads things out uh, way thin uh, for them. I think it does give a couple of guys some opportunities to step up uh, in Perlini and Cahoon. But so far, uh, that just hasn't really happened. And unfortunately, I think time has pretty much run out. You know, they're only five points back. Yes, uh, they'd still have 13 games to play, uh, but Arizona and Colorado are both ahead of them uh, f- chasing down Dallas and Minnesota. And so I think, unfortunately, uh, their run here that they had was just too little too late. And uh, in Colorado, boy, when I look at this lineup, I, I almost cringe because now I've lost a key player and anybody who owns Gabriel Landeskog in season long like me is going to miss out on his production over the remaining games. That's a terrible blow here, particularly when you're reminded that his usual line mates McKinnon and Rantanen continue to tick and bop along. McKinnon with five points last week, Rantanen with four and Landeskog sidelined. You can bet that there's going to be some roster juggling. And what we see right now is Nathan McKinnon's new line mates are Derek Broussard and JT Comfer. He's going to be looking around saying, what the heck just happened here? And on the <laughs> second line, Rantanen is being uh, surrounded by Carl Soderberg, who's been a number two center guy there for most of the season, and Colin Wilson getting the second line left wing, left wing role. So you can see how one injury has kind of crippled the quality of of offensive depth that they enjoyed before uh, before that went down i actually thought you know brassard would would excel in this role when when the injury happened obviously he's not going to replace gabriel landeskog that's just not going to happen but i thought he could be a, a viable option there but he's remains pointless uh in his last four games and that's despite averaging over three and a half minutes per game on the power play and really just hasn't been able to do much uh for colorado you know of late overall has just two points in the eight games he's played with them uh and this is you know, a lot of the reason why, uh, you know, Pittsburgh was willing to move him. Florida was obviously just a temporary situation. They were looking to flip him in in clear cap space. But um, I I think the lack of production uh, this season, you know, could be from the frequent moves. It's, it's gotta be hard to play on three different teams in one season. So, uh, you know, let's, you know, not ignore that fact, but uh, I thought, uh, he would kind of get out of his slump playing with McKinnon, but right now it's not happening. And I think they may have to look at, you know, putting Rantanen back up there uh, and kind of figuring out what to do with Broussard somewhere else if he can't figure it out soon. 
And in Columbus, boy, I'd love to be a reporter on this beat. If I could pick one team other than the Leafs, I think uh, hanging around Tortorella and this squad this year would have been uh, story time in terms of writing a book and collecting information. I can't figure out, AJ, and you must have been scratching your head, the first game that the Columbus played in a back-to-back against your pens, they didn't put Bobrovsky in the net, and I was shocked by that because they need all the points they can get, and it was a rivalry game, and, and you don't usually see a backup play in that one. I want your comment there. But uh, in terms of offense, they're getting it right now from from veterans Atkinson and Bjorkstand. They they combined for seven goals and one assist last week. And uh, Bjorkstand, for his part, has parlayed his recent surge, four goals and one helper in the last nine games, getting right-wing minutes on the second line uh, with two former Sens. And one of those guys, Matt Duchesne, really not making the grade again. It's the second time in recent memory that this guy's been traded in the hopes of juicing an offense, and he hasn't delivered the goods. Uh, So I'm concerned for him there. And on defense, another thing that I note, Wierenski and Jones, they both have lots of big points on the blue line, good scoring defensemen. You don't see that partnership too much around the league. Teams usually split guys like that up. Uh, I kind of question that move as well. So really a, a couple of deployment issues that have me scratching my head here. Well, as far as the blue line goes, look, if it's working, I don't think you change it. So <laughs> apparently uh, it is. But I do agree. It's, it is pretty rare to see that. But as long as they're still getting it done, I think you just roll with it. Uh, in terms of Bob Roski, I absolutely was shocked uh, to see them decide to go with Corpus Allo. And not just go with Corpus Allo. They didn't even dress Bob Roski for the game. Um, they had Keith Kincaid uh, serve as the backup instead. Honestly, I, that was more... Uh, I thought that was a little more shocking uh, than even just the not using Bobrovsky. Uh, the fact that they went with Corpus Allo instead of Keith Kincaid, who is historically pretty good against the Penguins. Um, so if I was coaching that team, I might have used uh, Kincaid. But uh, since then, Bobrovsky has just given up one goal in each of his last two games, uh, including a win over the Penguins. So maybe it's what he needed to, to kind of uh, get him amped and, and get his head right and ready to go uh, for the tail, uh, tail end of the season here. But uh, I definitely uh, was, you know, left wondering and but happy with the outcome. <laughs> I guess so. In Dallas, boy, they got to be happy with the work of Brian Bishop in net. Two wins and two shutouts last week. One of the stars of the week in the NHL. The defensive side of the puck has been a shocking improvement here in Dallas, I'll say. Didn't see it coming. And uh, on the flip side, I didn't see their offense falling apart as much as it has all season. They've been trying to mix and match all year. Most recently, that means splitting up Sagan and Ben. And Ben is lining up, looking like he's going to line up with role players Dickinson and Lesperance to try and spread this offense out. They've got to re- be really pulling at straws to get that done. Blake Como and Andrew Cogliano are being trusted as veterans with more minutes on the second line, too, which is centered by Radic Faxa, and he's not a guy that inspires me in DFS play either. So they've got some holes around the offense that they've got to fill, but at least the defensive side of the game is in order here. Well, one hole they don't have to fill in the offense right now uh, is uh, the spot held down by Alexander Radulov. He got benched uh, one game for, for apparently being late uh, you know, to, to practice or team meetings that morning and has four goals in the two games since then. Uh, eight shots in that stretch, uh, seven blocks, uh, which I think indicates you know, he's willing uh, to, to – he's doing the extra work there in the defensive side to kind of show, uh, you know – 
work his way back into the good graces of the coaching staff here. So uh, I expect him to continue to roll uh, and, and, you know, kind of excel here regardless of who he's playing with. Uh, but as long as he's with Sagan, it, it'll be even better. But I think he could be a candidate to potentially be moved around um, if they wanted to spread it out further. You mentioned Ben uh, on that second line. They could go Sagan on the first, move Radulov into a third line. Uh, spot similar to what the Sharks have done with Evander Kane or the Penguins with Phil Kessel. Uh, but for now, uh, keep him where he's at because it seems to be uh, working for him. And in Detroit, they've had to been forced to shuffle things around they got a completely different look on offense and defense here so i'll run through it really quick what i see andreas athanasiu has been moved into the center role on the top line with dylan larkin out and he's flanked by two exciting wingers tyler bertuzzi and anthony mantha i mentioned bertuzzi because he is also bringing a physical element to his play another guy that fits in that matthew Tuchuk kind of role that we're seeing more and more of those type players show up around the nhl and he's just the latest version on the blue line they had mike green and nicholas Cronwall hold down first pairing minutes but they are Mike Green is out of lineup and Nicholas Cronwall has been dropped to a third pairing that means more ice time for the likes of Danny DeKaiser and Philip Ronick a youngster who has really shown well and is part of the next wave of, of youth with some talented upside on that back end there in Detroit look I get you don't want to necessarily upset uh you know the the team and 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 your net minders but for my for my money if I'm them right now, I would seriously consider bringing up uh, Harry Satiri or Patrick Rybar from the minors and, and letting these guys play a couple games uh, down the stretch here. The season uh, isn't going to end uh, in, in the playoffs for you. It's pretty much over. Uh, you've got Jimmy Howard potentially uh, done after this year unless they can sign him to an extension. And Jonathan Bernier just isn't going to be a number one netminder for you. And so for me, I'd like to see some of those other guys get a start or two uh, here uh, down the stretch just to see what they can do. You're doing exactly the same thing on the offensive side. And uh, Philip Zadena being in the lineup, same with uh, Philip Hornick, Madison Bowie all guys that are kind of getting looks uh and uh as you mentioned uh could possibly play some minutes and see what they have so i think they need to consider doing that in the nets as well that's an interesting call some would say maybe the experienced hands back there are insulating the defense but i like your call there it's uh, ballsy and i think detroit really should take a look at all of their players that are prospects at this stage in the in the season a lost season for the Wings. In Edmonton, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, to me, has emerged. I, I was shocked when I took a look at how many goals the guy's got in the year. I didn't see that. Uh, but he's uh, playing in Connor McDavid's shadow. That that might be part of the reason why uh, I was surprised. But, boy, what a one-two punch they have offensively there. They combined for 11 points again last week. Uh, Koskinen has a four-game win streak in the Nets after some struggles that we mentioned in the last couple of weeks. So he's hot right now, only seven goals against in those four games. Zach Cassian is a guy that I said keep an eye on. And boy, anybody who listened has benefited because he's got four goals in his last five games played as the right wing on the top line. Sam Gagne, another guy who deserved a look. Uh, he was playing in the mi- in minors uh, on loan in Toronto here f- uh, as a favorite of the Edmonton Oilers. He's now playing right wing minutes on the second line. He's too has, has amped up his production five points in his last nine games played. 
Well, one guy that is not producing for them, and and they're going to have to figure out how to do something about this, is Milan Lucic. Uh, At this point, if his injury lingers, there's a serious possibility he could fail to reach the 20-point mark this season. He's sitting at 17. Uh, There's obviously a handful of games left, but he is out uh, with an undisclosed issue. I think even if he does play, there's no way uh, he's going to get to 27, which is uh, his career – uh, I missed one. His career low is 20, actually. Uh, I thought it was 27. So uh, if he misses that 20-point 20, 20 mark, it, it would be uh, his worst season ever. Could potentially still be second worst uh, that he's ever had. And that's uh, a big deal for a guy that's costing you $6 million a year. Unfortunately, he's got a no-move clause. And so getting rid of him uh, is uh, you know next to impossible, if only because he gets to decide where he wants to go and where he probably wants to go. Doesn't have the room to pay a guy $6 million to do nothing. Uh, I think ultimately if they do get something done, they may have to consider uh, hanging on to some salary cap uh, and, and paying a little bit of that, uh, you know, long-term, but uh, something's got to change there with him. They've tried him up and down the lineup and it just hasn't worked. And so for my money, I think it's time for them to figure out how to move on from Milan Lucic. Oh, boy. Four more years at $6 million. AJ, if we look around the league, we got to do this one episode and talk, talk about the all-time, the or this current year's bad contract lineup. And this guy would be an all-star uh, right now, I would think, <laughs> if we look around the league. Just a terrible deal. And I thought so when he signed it. So uh, good on him for collecting. I'll say that. <laughs> In Florida, they've got some... They're big guns. They're... We talked about some of their key players playing 20-plus minutes a game and performing, and uh, it continues this season. If getting to that enough, five assists last week, Mike Hoffman, four points. That's what you expect from those guys. Production, along with Barkov and Huberto, uh, who've been lights out all season long. On the blue line, though, a couple of guys have been pulled up uh, in, in the wake of all this production. Mackenzie Wieger, not a guy that we've talked about ever, I don't think, in, in terms of hot players. On the blue line, two goals and two assists last week. And Aaron Eckblad, a guy who was ticketed for stardom when he was drafted first overall in his draft class, has hit a couple of bumps in the road but uh, this season and last. But four assists last week remind us that he does have an offensive pedigree. And maybe he uh, better days are ahead for a guy who I think uh, has a lot of talent and a lot of skill and uh, a lot of bite to his game, too. I like this guy. Got a lot of time for him. But they unveiled a goaltender of some renown, Samuel Montembeau. Boy, there's a mouthful for somebody handling a French French name, AJ. Uh, you're welcome. I'll say that. Two games played, two wins, and three goals against in his cameo. Uh, I'm glad to see that they gave another goalie a shot here because the two incumbents, uh, Reimer and Luongo, have left the team wanting uh, during stretches this season. Well, uh, interesting anecdote, uh, uh, anecdote. On, uh, anecdote. Thank you. On Montembeau, uh, he, you know, they're doing one of those auction off the the pregame jerseys uh you know for charity and so his jersey uh wasn't fetching a whole lot of money uh in those auctions well he puts together those back-to-back wins uh and suddenly his the cost of his jersey skyrockets as people continue to bid on it to the point where it actually went past james reimers uh and so i i don't know what the final total was there obviously uh i haven't checked that but just kind of an interesting little story on him and i think a good opportunity for him to to step in here and and kind of show them what they have for the future because uh you've got luongo who's 38 reimers 
up in his 30s as well. And so they need uh, kind of a younger guy for the future, and and they may have found it. You mean they won't go after Bobrovsky in the offseason? Oh, sorry, I don't want to get accused of tampering. (laughs) Maybe I'm I'm allowed. In Los Angeles, uh, Drew Doughty is reminding people that, hey, don't forget, I'm an all-star defenseman. He got four assists last week amid the rubble of a lost season in L.A. There's some good news to at least he still continues to perform. And then uh, Carl Grundstrom, a guy that came up in the Leaf system, uh, showed well picking up goals in his first two games as a pro here on the left wing on the second line. I'm not surprised, AJ. This guy was a steady scorer for Toronto in the AHL, and I saw the offensive skill that these, this guy showed on a regular basis. I tuned that, those games in, and uh, I think they've got a real player here that can fit in to the building that needs to be rebuilding that needs to be done here i don't get uh, tyler Toffoli's regression this season aj we talked about it a couple of times high shot on goal rate continues here yet he only 12 goals on the season seven uh, 17 points uh, 17 assists in, in 69 games this is not enough for a guy who was uh, almost performing at an all-star level in recent seasons and i thought he'd be a key, key piece that they'd build around but i'm not feeling that way so sure right now another rookie that i'm keeping an eye on here though the cameo is sean walker showing some offensive skills on a second d pair with alex martinez that could be found money uh, i think here well, they're going to need all the foul money they can get because they're going to have to pay Ilya Kovalchuk $6.25 million for the next two years. Another all-star. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, four, uh, pointless in his last four games. Again, another guy that's getting plenty of looks on the power play. Uh, it's not for a lack of shots in those four games. He's got uh, you know 11 efforts on target, so more than two a game, which is kind of my, my general threshold. Anything less than two, uh, I think you need to start uh, putting anything you can at the net. And so really the... You know, 30 points is is not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but you've got a guy who left the league uh, as an 80 to 90 point producer and comes back uh, well heralded, earns a big contract uh, to the point where he should be at least in the 50 to 60 range uh, for the amount they're paying him. And so they're they're stuck here as well. Hey, maybe. Maybe Kovalchuk and, and Lucic can just switch teams. Uh, there's not too much of a, a cap difference there, and maybe new places uh, will help both guys out here. Look at him, even trying to work some trades after the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> Victor Rask in Minnesota finally getting off the IR. He's going to get a top six look uh, in light of Miko Koivu's season-ending injury. He has to show well in this circumstance. We're talking about a big forward with some offensive skill, really been dormant all season long. So I'm going to keep a close eye on him and see what, what goes on there. Greenway is also getting a look at left wing on the top line. So two things to look for up front. Kevin Fiala scored two goals in his new home against his old mates, but otherwise has been quiet here since getting to play right wing minutes on the second line. But the troubling thing that I saw in the last two starts of Devin Dubnik is that this guy has been a workhorse here, but he's looking a little bit tired and he got blown out in one of them and gave up three goals in the other. So uh, another thing to bear watching as uh, this team kind of fades down the, the stretch. Yeah, that's a great point about Devin Dubnik. He's been uh, one of those netminders that consistently sees just a ton uh, of, uh, you know, ton of games. And, you know, normally it hasn't really been a problem for him. But, you know, we saw last season um, with uh, – 
uh, Washington's netminder with Brayden Holpe that he, yeah. you know, took less games and it, it worked out well for them in the end. You know, Dubnik's currently tied with Marc-Andre Fleury at 50, 58 games played. That's the most of any netminders this season. Uh, and to your point, I think you're right. It may finally uh, be catching up to them. You know, one thing for this team, uh, if they can secure a playoff spot, which is by no means guaranteed, they could still get Matthew Dumba back in time for the postseason. I think that would be uh, quite the addition to their blue line and would really help, uh, you know, Dubnik uh, between the pipes by kind of shoring up uh, that back end for him. And in Montreal, you know what? They're a team that's also like Minnesota, kind of fading down the stretch. One and two is the record last week. Uh, bright spot here, Shea Weber, two goals and two assists. This guy's a giant of a man and has tried to carry this team as best he could since he came off the IR performing heroically. But there's too many Smurfs around him right now, and a couple of them have really not been performing very well despite the offensive pedigree that bring to the table. Consider Jonathan Drouin has been blanked in 11 of his last 12 games. You can't have that from a top six guy who build your offense around. Similarly, Arturi Lekkonen is a guy who showed well in years past in long stretches, but he finally snapped a 15-game pointless drought last week and uh, just hasn't been consistent enough in terms of chipping in offensively. Let's put a ton of pressure on a guy like Carey Price, and he's done heroic work in the Nets to still rank him among top goalies, but there's too many holes that here. Here, it's a team that looks like a Swiss cheese sale uh, lately. Well, it's interesting you talk about another team that's uh, fading a little bit. Uh, since I have it up already, Carey Price is right behind Flurry and Dubnik with 54 games played this season. Uh, so, again, could be a factor. The problem for them is they don't really have another option uh, instead of Carey Price. You know, I would I would say uh, Minnesota, I would feel comfortable with them using their backup. Uh, but after the terrible outing uh, that Antti Niemi put together, uh, the team went ahead and recalled Charlie Lindgren from the minors. So that just goes to show what sort of conf uh, confidence they have behind Carey Price, which I think means they're going to ride their number one, uh, you know, the rest of the way and, and could be close to a situation where, uh, you know, Price takes both ends of back-to-backs uh, coming here down the stretch because there's so little confidence uh, in their other options. This from the president of the Anti-Niemi fan club of all people. <laughs> My goodness, I'm shocked. Nashville Predators, 1-1 one one last week, a quiet week for them. Mikael Grandlin, though, a guy that I, uh, I have a lot of time for in DFS play, picked up his first goal as a Pred last week and had an assist as well. Starting to look comfortable on the left wing on, on the top line here and really a guy who's been a consistent scorer throughout his career. I look for big things for him down the stretch and in the postseason. And I know uh, Johansson has struggled to score at the number one center role with only 11 goals, but he's fast approaching career highs and assists. He has 44, his career best is 47 as the playmaking center on the number one line and that fact that latter fact has to benefit Granland uh, down the rest of the way I think despite reduced minutes Kyle Turris picked up two assists last week he has been moved hey, he has to be moved back to the second line center role he was dropped to third line minutes but they need this guy firing on all cylinders and they can't pussyfoot around now the serious shooting is about to start look for him to get the second line minutes back again well, and they do have a, a little bit of a concern that popped up yesterday. And now it could end up being nothing, but Victor Arvidsson uh, wasn't at practice. And so uh, the way it looks right now, Wayne Simmons would potentially slot in to that top uh, top line spot with Ryan Johansson. Now they're going to get a little bit of a boost. And, and by little, I'm a little 
understating it uh, with Philip Forsberg coming back. So uh, they'll kind of lose one, gain one here. Uh, but they overall, they need to get healthy here to really kind of uh, figure out exactly how everything is going to shake out. I think because of a couple of injuries, you haven't really seen what this team looks like post deadline in terms of, you know, where does Brian Boyle fit in? How, uh, you know, how does Wayne Simmons, Mikael Granlin, how does everybody kind of slot in together uh, and make this work? And so it'll be interesting to see how they figure all that out. Um, but I think in the, you know, if Arvison doesn't play, I think they do have a capable guy in Wayne Simmons who can figure it out uh, with Johansson and Forsberg. Boy, they've got to be trying to figure things out in New Jersey about how to fill out the lineup card here. I have to feel sorry for a team that's got five of their regulars on the IR right now, and so that forces them to press the likes of Kenny Agostino and Eric Tangrady into the top two left-wing positions. I submit to you, if they were healthy, these guys would be fourth-liners at best in this mix. That's how bad things have gotten here. So not a lot of positives to report in terms of the New Jersey situation. Blake Coleman is seeing a lot of time as second-line center with two points in his last three games played. I guess that's one uh, notable thing, but uh, boy, they've got an unspi- uninspired look, uh, uninspiring look in terms of the depth there, and you might look, at, look for your goalie wins uh, at, in teams that line up against the Devils right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, uh, found out yesterday that both Taylor Hall and Jasper Bratt won't be back at any point in March. It sounds like they could potentially return uh, for the final couple of games in in April uh, just to get on the ice again before the season's over. But that's, you know, obviously we talked about the Taylor Hall injury that pretty much sank this team season. Um, But to have you know, guys like Jasper Bratt out for the rest, basically for the rest of the year. And then to add in all these kind of little injuries here and there uh, to guys, you know, Nico Heischer has been out for two. Uh, Pavel Zaka has been out for a couple of games. And then you call up other guys in, in Nathan Bastian and Kevin Rooney and have those guys get hurt. I, I, I think your point about Tangrady and Agostino, these guys are in the minors. They're not fourth liners. If this team's healthy, they're not even on the roster. Um, but the guys they called up to fill in for their, their star guys got hurt too. And so really uh, injuries have just sunk this season, which I think if I'm a New Jersey fan, uh, I feel okay for next year. You know, you've got a ton of talent. You've got some young guys who are getting opportunities to see NHL ice who may not otherwise not have. Um, So there is a silver lining here. Obviously, disappointment that the season didn't go the way you wanted it to. But, uh, you know, there, there is good that can come out of this for them long term. And uh, some good has come out of the Islanders situation. They've turned things around big time. We've highlighted that. Nowhere is it more evident than in the plus minus of Nick Letty. This guy had a goal and three assists last week. The offense is still there, not quite at the level we've seen throughout his career, but almost there. But the plus minus has improved by 40 goals. He was a minus 42 a season ago, and now minus two is on the record. This guy plays big minutes against the opposing top line, so that's pretty good numbers. Uh, barometer of how good this team has been improving this year. Another couple of points, Anthony Beauvillier, three goals in his last eight games played. I've been waiting on this guy to show something offensively. I believe there's a lot of skill here. You prorate that over the season, that's 30-goal year. He's not going to get that total, but at least right now he's playing second-line minutes on the right wing. 
Uh, I wondered about the Tavares effect here and how his wingers would fare. Uh, Anders Lee, not so bad. He's the new captain there and thriving, but Josh Bailey has 50 points. It's 20, 20 points off the season that it totals that he had in a career year last year and a steady rise. He's dropping now, and he's dropping to third line minutes on the left wing, not really finding a home offensively of late. Andrew Ladd is a guy who was headed in the right direction uh, in terms of finding that home back in the lineup, but he's had a troubled year with injuries. Despite the fact he w- he's picked up three points in his last four games, he's been a healthy scratch in the last couple of games, and I'm not really sure why here, AJ. Uh, a mystery to me in, in terms of that circumstance. Yeah, I don't really have any answers for you there. Um, I am going to do a, a bit of an early uh, rant of the week here, and I, I think it comes down to calling a spade a spade. Uh, you know, Robin Lerner, for, for all intents and purposes, the general belief is that he sustained a concussion. But uh, when asked point blank whether that was the case, Barry Trott said, I'm not, neither confirming nor denying uh, either way. I think this is bad for the game, for, for a league that's trying to get ahead of concussion-related uh, issues. We're seeing this across sports, not just in hockey. Um, but I, I think you need to be upfront about concussions in uh, in the fact that they do happen, and that is what a guy's dealing with. I think it's important uh, to, to kind of highlight that that's a, a danger of playing the game and not let it fall into the category of upper body injury. I'm fine with the rest of it. At the end of the day, if you want to call a thumb injury an upper body injury or a broken toe, a lower body injury, that's fine, whatever. Uh, that, you know, the mid body injury has come out from time to time. But I think when it's a concussion, we're talking about something different. There's other teams like Chicago and Pittsburgh that have been upfront when it's a concussion, they call it a concussion. But the fact that the coach basically came out and said, well, I'm not going to talk about whether it is or isn't, uh, I think is bad for the game. It's a bad look for the team, uh, in my opinion. And I really think they need to just get ahead of it and say, learner has a concussion and he'll be out, you know, for an undeterminate amount of time because of that. And and it's really doing a disservice to the player uh, and to the team and to the league as a whole to, to do otherwise. You know what? And that ties into a rant that I've done year after year, AJ, and that's regarding the fact that like it or not, gambling on the games is a big issue in sports and information is not being shared to the extent that it could be and possibly should be in terms of unhonesty and you compare it to the nfl where they report hangnails on offensive linemen uh, (laughs) to the nth degree and we know how much money is thrown around there so uh, there the scales are tipping in favor of single game betting here being a uh, a viable option for people that want to enjoy their sports consumption and uh, information sharing has to go hand in hand and so you can't continue to be nebulous nebulous in this regard so good for you for calling out the islanders coach in that regard the new york rangers uh, let's move on here the new york rangers went one one and one last week and not so much about the wins and losses but who's showing well and a couple of guys who they pinned their hopes on uh, have done so jimmy vc setting new career best emerging as a bona fide to- top six winger and justifying all the hype that came out around him when he emerged from college hockey last year as a free agent uh, he's starting to realize that potential uh, ryan strom thrived 
arriving as a new center on the second line. He's bounced around the league a little bit, but really has turned it on offensively. Five goals and two assists. Not only a good streak this year, but one of the best streaks this guy's enjoyed in his career. So it's good to see because he's a solid citizen and performing very well. But the shocking development here in a positive way is Anthony D'Angelo on a tear on the blue line with points in 10 of his last 13 games played. This is a guy who's on pace for like 30, 35 points all of a sudden, but nobody saw this coming, and it's a very good development for the Rangers here as uh, this is one audition that's gone better than they hoped. Yeah, the the kind of head-scratching aspect of that is that they uh, bounced D'Angelo out of the lineup last night Mm -hmm. against Edmonton. Uh, Not really sure uh, what the the reason for that decision based on, you know, how well he's been playing with them. Yes, uh, the goals aren't exactly there, but the fact that, you know, he's been consistently just racking up assists to scratch the guy from a lineup uh, does didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me uh, on the on the offensive side uh, you have to take a look at Brendan Lemieux the 22 year old winger his fourth line assignment really kind of getting his first extended look uh, in the NHL after being traded uh, to the Rangers from Winnipeg uh, you know just didn't get a ton of opportunities. You look, yes, he played 44 games for Winnipeg this season, but was only averaging uh, less than seven and a half minutes per game. Now with the Rangers, he's up over 12. He's got five points in seven games, including coming up with a Gordie Howe hat trick uh, last night uh, with the fight, uh, the goal and the assist. And so really, I think a great uh, you know addition to them. And I expect him to be a full uh, 82 game player for the Rangers next season. In Ottawa, I wondered how young kids would react to the debacle that happened at the trade deadline here with them trading the top, their leading scorers. Brady Tuchuk has really answered the bell, not wilting despite an increased role that ensued for him. Four points in three games played last week. Zach Smith has seen an increased shots on goal rate and been productive enough to score two goals in four games played last week. He'll get those minutes and that opportunity going forward again. Anthony Duclair is another guy who has uh, put together a nice stretch with four points in his last seven games, grabbing right wing minutes on the second line. So that's three names that uh, will be keeping an on probably centerpieces of this team going forward i can't believe i just heard paul say good things about anthony Duclair. that's really uh the biggest surprise here uh i think the interesting thing is how fluid the line combinations have been here and i think it's just an opportunity uh to get everybody minutes uh and to kind of see uh what works well but you know you've got uh peugeot right now in a top line spot with declaring to chuck uh earlier uh, you know, late last week, he was in a fourth line spot uh, with some different guys. Brian Gibbons has played center and wing. Uh, and so I think you're going to continue to see that kind of shuffle around. Um, but there are, as Paul mentioned, there's a handful of guys here that I think are decent plays uh, in daily contests, you know, as a way to, to, you know, depending on matchup, obviously, if if Ottawa's playing against Tampa Bay, I don't think I'm touching anybody on here. But if they're <laughs> playing against New Jersey, who we highlighted uh, being, uh, you know, full of injuries, that might be an opportunity here. So uh, kind of pick and choose your spots, but there's definitely uh, some diamonds in the rough here. And in Philadelphia, this team is uh, looking like they're going to fall just short. But uh, Nolan Patrick got a couple of points this past week, AJ. So I'll give you a buck, but it's not going to help you pay off the entire debt that you owe to, to, <laughs> to Daniel Negrano, I don't think, is it? Jakub Voracek is suspended for the next two games here. That's going to hurt this offense a little bit. But uh, conversely, Oscar Lindbaum on a nice streak, collecting eight points in his last 11 games, now playing left-wing minutes on the top line. That's not something anybody saw coming, but this guy's taken full advantage of a recent good stretch of play in the nets uh, it's been a merry-go-round well doc 
documented, but Brian Elliott seems to have grabbed onto the top goalie option uh, with both hands here, playing, I think, in seven of the last eight games. Unfortunately, I think despite his good play, Brian Elliott's going to find himself on the shelf here pretty quick as Carter Hart is healthy and ready to go. And so I think they're going to go back to the youngster, especially if they get uh, any further out of contention here. As you said, uh, they're on the outside looking in. They're three points back at Columbus with Montreal in the way. Um, But uh, I think if they slide here at all, Uh, it'll definitely be Carter Hart's net, and it might be anyway, even if they do uh, try and make the playoffs, because I think at this point the organization uh, realizes that they need to just turn it over to the youngster uh, and go full bore into the future. Well, I'm going to keep my comments brief about Pittsburgh because you have probably got a lot more to say, and justifiably so since you follow the team so closely. But the big guns are firing here, and boy, you've ridden that to a a sizable lead in our dollar dollar bet. I'm willing to concede that right now after trying to work a little side deal with you saying, please let me count Marner instead of (laughs) the injured Matthews who cost me the the bet in the first place. But here we go. Jake Jake Gunsel, three goals, two assists last week. Sidney Crosby, two goals, three assists. And, and Evgeny Malkin looking all fired up as well. In the Nets, even Mar- Matt Murray, three goal, three wins, one loss, one shutout, and only seven goals against. That has to be the most pleasing development to you, I would think. But on um, defense, I think there's a bit of a concern here for me still. Their injuries have ravaged this back end. Zach Trotman, formerly a guy who played a little bit with Boston, is now a new name that you can add to this no-name defense. Can they do it with this group back here on the blue line, A.J.? I actually think, uh, you know, there's a silver lining here with Latang having been out and it's that Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson have been forced uh, to play uh, bigger minutes and, and to step up their game. And they really have. I think both guys have been solid defensively uh, for my money. Uh, I, I think there's a real possibility that you could see Olimata as a healthy scratch once he gets uh, back to 100% because you're going to have Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang. That's a lock. Justin Schultz and Jack Johnson have been playing really well together. And breaking up Marcus Pedersen and Eric Gudbranson might not be the best idea either because those two have been gelling really well, which leaves Olimata on the outside looking in. Now, uh, obviously, that seems like an extreme take. Um, and I do overall think Mata will play. Uh, but there's there's definitely uh, some some consideration there that coach uh, Mike Sullivan's going to have to take. And I have to give a tip of the cap to, to Sully here for uh, managing his young netminder who has really struggled this season. But they've allowed uh, Murray to play both games of their last two back to backs. And he's been successful in it, Uh, doesn't have a regulation loss since mid-February and has really been performing well uh, with the added workload. And so I think it's a good opportunity uh, for him to play some additional games, get his game going and be ready uh, for a postseason run. Well, there's one guy in San Jose who must be chomping in the bit for a postseason run. It's Brent Burns. He's looking again like far and away the best offensive defenseman in hockey. A sizable lead in the scoring race there with 73 points on the season to date. But another positive development is in the way that this, the depth of this offense has shown recently. Marcus Sorensen picked up four goals and one assist in his last four games played as left winger on the third line here. So he's playing with Joe Thornton to stretch this offense. And boy, they're, they're going to be a handful if they get that kind of production from third liners. And it doesn't hurt the cause when uh, Ma- Mark uh, Jones in the Nets 
is on a five-game win streak, AJ, and I've been maligning this guy for an uneven season, but right now he's got his game in order with those five wins and only nine goals against. Another no offensive note, Timo Meyer looks locked in as a left winger on the top line. He's got five goals in his last four games before last night's game, so they've got a hot stick up there on the top unit as well. Well, and for all the praise you just heaped on this team, they're doing it without a Vander Kane, uh, who is dealing with an injury and now is away from the team for, for a personal issue. Uh, and then without Eric Carlson, who's been banged up since the All-Star break uh, due to, to groin issues. And so uh, this team only gets better, uh, you know, if and when they get both these guys back in the lineup. And so I expect... Uh, you know, I expect them to be one of the most difficult teams to beat uh, this postseason, especially if Marty Jones continues to play to the level that he has been of late. Yeah, they've been waiting on that all season long. I'll say that as an owner of him and season long play myself, I'm very <laughs> happy right now. St. Louis, 2-0-1 last week. This is a team that I said was going to be a tough out the rest of the, week, the year uh, about a month and a half ago, but I didn't think they'd go on this kind of a tear. And it's because the, the veterans are leading. Shen uh, has got two goals, three assists last week. Tarasenko had been red hot. That's a problem now because going forward, he's got dealing with an upper body injury. I'm not sure about the timeline for his recovery there. Colton Pareko, a guy who was uh, in a lot of trade rumors, has done nothing but help his cause in terms of getting paid eventually when his current contract runs out in a while. He's got three assists uh, on the last week. Jake Allen doing his bit to get a goalie share back from Jordan Bennington, played two games last week, had a win and a shutout in, in uh, the one victory that uh, he registered. Uh, I think the big concern here is is Tarasenko because if he's out too long, I just don't know that this team has has enough scoring uh, options on there uh, to hold on to their spot. Now, granted, uh, they you know they're four points ahead of Dallas, uh, you know in terms of dropping down to to a wild card spot here, and so they should be okay uh, with a couple of game absence. But if that injury for Tarasenko, you know he's going to be reevaluated in 10 days so you're looking at about march 20th they're going to check to see if he's ready to play uh, and so that raises some red flags to me and if this injury lingers at all there is a possibility that uh, st louis could find themselves on the outside looking in in tampa boy i got a good look at this team last night i didn't think they were they played all that well but they got in front of the net they got deflections left and right and some crisp passing plays all night long uh, a spectacle to watch this team if you get a chance in, in uh, live and in color two goals and one uh, two wins and one loss last week before winning again last night so continuing to roll along and on pace for the best uh season in terms of total points in the history of the game uh, also you got to put an asterisk there but because of the, the overtime and uh, shootout wins uh, factoring in but uh, nonetheless Nikita Kucherov two goals two assists on the week veteran D-men Girardi and Strahlman nicked up with injuries but it doesn't seem to slow down this team Mikhail Sergachev is getting play playing time with Victor Hedman he's had a very quiet year maybe this is a, something that will uh, juice him and get more production out of a guy who has all the offensive skills you'd like and big size and, and mobility on the back end JT Miller is a guy that's I've highlighted as a multi-purpose player and I always like to keep an eye on where he is currently suiting up on the second line right wing and uh, that's a good spot for him and might provide some DS, sneaky dfs value andre palat uh, has been a mystery to me uh, well how he holds on to a top six role here aj when you consider he's goalless in his last 20 games played with uh, earning still left wing minutes on the top line here 
Yeah, you know, that's obviously a concern, but if it's, you know, as I said earlier in the show, if it's if it's working, don't change it. So, uh, obviously there's there's a connection there with with Stamkos. I I think perhaps is his, you know, ability to get into kind of those uh, get into the corners, win puck battles uh, and kind of free up his 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 line mates there to to be in scoring opportunities. So, you know, this team is going to be uh, very hard to beat. They've got everything that you want. They've got all stars who are, are producing. They've got depth guys chipping in. Uh, they've got role guys in in Palat who are, are filling their responsibilities. Their blue line is solid, uh, even without Girardi and Strawman, but they're that much better with them. And then phenomenal net mining. I mean, there's really nothing that you can knock. And honestly, at this point, I think it would take – uh, a, a New Jersey size, uh, you know, uh, list of injuries to really derail this team at this point, because, you know, finding a way to beat that they can beat you in a shootout. They can beat you in a goalie battle. Uh, they can beat you physical. They can beat you with skill. There's, there's not a, a lot of weaknesses to this Tampa Bay team. And uh, as far as the Maple Leafs go, uh, John Tavares is right there in terms of career best in terms of goal scoring in his first year in Toronto. Had a goal and four assists, really handling the switch to the bright lights uh, in his home city very well. Morgan Riley picked up two goals and one assist to continue his threat on the uh, the Norris race. And Jake Muzzin, a goal and two assists as well as the veteran tries to hold down the fort and uh, keep key situation with him in light of the lack of depth on the blue line here with two key guys injured i'll, I'll mention gardner as well uh they're they're talking about him maybe facing uh, a bit of a tough climb to get back in the lineup with his back injury uh, might be more serious than first thought we're waiting for word on that and i know so, several leaf fans are holding their breath you don't, you can't count me in that camp, I don't think. <laughs> Zach Hyman has proved his worth as left wing on the top line. There was some concern about his lack of scoring, but boy, as he looked good, fitting in well with Tavares and Marner, he's a digger there, and he just hangs around and picks up his assist, the odd goals, and he's closing in on career highs and uh, full value for it. He really plays the game the way I like to see it done. Well, you, you talked about the fact that you were uh, behind the eight ball on our dollar bet, um, but you did absolutely... Uh, hit the nail on the head by calling Mitch Martiner as the leaning point producer for this team, which is a, I mean, that's a bold call for a team that's got Tavares and Austin Matthews on there. Uh, but leading with 82 points, uh, 24 goals, 58 assists. Uh, I think what's also, you know, really, uh, uh, characterizing his season is he's tied for the team lead in power play points as well with 18. Uh, and so producing in all aspects of the game, he's even got a shorty in there as well. So, uh, you know, a, a full, uh, 200 foot player that plays in all three phases of the game. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, for the, the front office, there is a guy that they're going to have to give, uh, a, a lot of greenbacks to this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this off season. And they're going to have to figure out how to fit him in. But obviously, uh, he's definitely been worth it for Toronto. In Vancouver, a guy who's going to hit the pay window hard in a couple of years. Looks like he's slowing down again. Uh, Pedersen, the hotshot rookie, a lock to win the Rookie of the Year award. Goalless in his last five starts. Did pick up three assists along the way, but still looking a bit less than optimal right now. Antoine Roussel is seeing time on the top left wing. That's a player to watch with Horvat, a good playmaker at center. A good situation for Roussel, who plays a rugged game there. 
Besser finally slapped an eight-game uh, goalless drought. So the young guns that have been leading this team all season long struggling to score, and that's been a bit of a reason for the downturn in late season for Vancouver. And uh, defensively, I want to highlight Alex Edler. This guy's been one of my DFS favorites, but, and I watched a few of his games last week. Okay, he picked up two goals, but he's going to make the highlight reel for the wrong reasons this week. He was exposed a couple of times on some high, highlight reel efforts by opponents who just made, danced around him like he was... Uh, a ho- like a hoop around a barrel, as Howie Meeker used to say. <laughs> well, they're going to get uh, some additional, you know, guys in here for for the tail end of the season. They've got uh, their 19-year-old defenseman Quinn Hughes signed a three-year entry-level deal. He's going to start out with uh, with Vancouver here. He is dealing with a little bit of an injury from uh, his collegiate uh, season. Uh, and so they'll evaluate and, and probably take it game by game. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, get a look on the, on this blue line as well as we enter the, the tail end of the season. And as you said, you know, Elias Pettersson, a lock uh, for the, the Calder Trophy here. I think, uh, you know, maybe if Jordan Biddington had been up all season long and had been able to carry, you know, do what he's been doing at the end for a full year, he might be a factor there. But uh, other than him, there's really no uh, goaltenders that that would uh, you know classify as rookies that that would factor in, and Pedersen is so far ahead of everybody else. You know he's got 58 points. Next closest is a guy you're familiar with, Andreas Johnson, with 37 uh, for the Maple Leafs in terms of rookie production. So yeah, uh, just ship that trophy off uh, to Vancouver right now. In Vegas, uh, this team's responsible for some of my better calls in the last couple of weeks. I said, don't sleep on Alex Took, despite the fact that he's been relegated to third-line minutes at right wing. And look what he did last week. He picked up four points in two games played. He's got size. He's got great hands. Boy, there's other teams that would love to see him in a top-six role in their rosters here. It's a luxury for Vegas to put him in on the third line. With attention, another call that I made was with the attention to the big names on one scoring line that we went through last week, uh, it's the other line that was their top unit last year that's really firing on all cylinders. Marchessault, Carlson, and Smith all filling the net of, of late. And uh, I think there's some good DFS value val- uh, over there looking f- ahead because teams are going to be keying on the other line with the bigger names. And so this team should be allowed to f- flow freely and uh, produce. This line, rather, should be able to be in that good space for DFS uh, players. On defense, Shea Theodore has uh, found his offensive groove again, six points in his last six games played. He was their linchpin offensively last season and is emerging as the same guy on the blue line here this season, I think. Well, and it took a little bit for it to happen, but now Stone uh, has goals in back-to-back games, giving him 30 on the season overall, uh, including his time in Ottawa. Uh, and he is uh, having a career year uh, with those combined numbers, 30 goals, 37 assists uh, for a career-high 67 points. And that gives them perhaps one of the most dangerous uh, second lines in the league in Pacioretty, Stastny, and Stone. Uh, and obviously, you know, Marchessault, Carlson, and Smith as that top line. Uh, this is a team uh, that has all the, the capabilities to score. I talked about everything that Tampa has in terms of elite uh, players, depth guys scoring. They've got it here. They've got, uh, you know, top-notch net mining in, in Marc-Andre Fleury. I think the one concern is that blue line in terms of, of how they go into the postseason. Um, but they got pretty far 
with this mostly unheralded group last year. And you highlighted, you know, Theodore starting to pick it up as well. Uh, and so this is a team I, I set off the top. I wouldn't want to match up with them in the first round of the playoffs. That's for sure. Yeah, well, you might feel the same way about avoiding the next team we're going to talk about. The Washington Capitals seem to have their game in order. They swept three games last week. And Braden Holtby, a guy that you touched on earlier, two wins and a shutout in his two starts. Carl Haglin, a contributor here. I know you saw him up close in Pittsburgh for a while. He danced around in L.A. for a bit, but seems to have found a home in Washington with three points in four games, playing third-line minutes as they try and stretch the offense here to a third unit. That'd be a real bonanza for them, a bonus that nobody saw coming. And on the defense, Dmitry Orlov has six points in his last seven games and partnered with Niskanen on a second deep pair that is pretty solid at both ends of the ice. You talk about a 200-foot game. Both of those guys fit into that description. Yeah, I'm really happy for Carl Hagelin. You know, this is a guy that uh, was a great, uh, you know, locker room guy, well-liked on the team, always uh, was willing to take on his role, but just couldn't get it going in Pittsburgh. And and there's any number of reasons that that was the case. So I'm glad to see uh, he's found a fit here in Washington. You know, the injury sidelined him a bit in L.A. uh, And another guy that, you know, has had to play on three different teams this season. That's not easy for anybody. Um, So glad to see him. Uh, you know, producing here. And and again, you're absolutely right. Uh, This is another team uh, that's got it all. And and I, uh, again, I love uh, Matty Niskanen and what he can do. Uh, You know, the the offensive production has been down for him lately. and, And that is a bit of a concern for me, just two assists in his last 15 games. This guy has a cannon of a shot. Um, if he uses it but that hasn't been the case of late has just 20 shots on goal in those 15 games I would like to see him uh, putting more pucks to the net from that blue line uh, to try and get you know those tip-ins those odd bounces and potentially put one into the back of the net and in Winnipeg boy I benefited in terms of season-long play and DFS play with the performance of Jacob Truba one of my go-to guys all season long one goal and two assists last week picking up the the slack from Dustin Bufflin we still don't know he was expected to come back this week potentially AJ but it certainly doesn't look like based on the recent uh, news that I'm seeing here so that's a real concern for them they have to be thrilled though up front with Hayes fitting in like a glove uh, checking all the boxes as a new second line center he had chipped in with five points in the last five games played here finding his new home very much to his liking on the back end Bolia and Kulikov have been on the scoring binge with the at the blue line with elevated roles due to injuries on this defense but they need to get buff back in the lineup here well and it's not just bufflin either you've got josh morrissey right uh who's a regular contributor for them as well 31 points on the year uh and he's been sidelined for a while though that's a career season for him as well uh but you know for all the struggles on the back end they continue uh to find ways to produce uh on the front end you know kevin hayes is really uh answered the bell for them in terms of figuring out the second line here uh line a continues uh to produce now his goals have dropped off he's uh doesn't have any goals in his last five games but he's got three assists over that stretch uh and so they're they're finding ways uh to to get this offense going and that right now might be how they're going to have to win games is is offensively because of all uh the concerns on the back end which is only going to expose Connor Hellybuck to more pucks and more uh more work AJ it's time to turn our attention to FanDuel and we'll remind our listeners that over two and a half million players have won on a cash prize playing on FanDuel 
Uh, to take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. I want to give ourselves a pat on the back here, AJ. You and I have picked some very good lineups all season long, and I know I've been cashing regularly. I haven't been keeping track of your lineup per se, but uh, listeners would have collected big money on, on some of the picks we've made all season long, and I anticipate that continuing as we go through the regular season and even the postseason. So uh, the games don't stop, even though the playoffs are around the corner, something we can all look forward to. In terms of tonight's schedule, I know that you're looking forward to the big rivalry game in Pittsburgh as the Capitals come calling. I'm going to be keeping an eye on Boston and Columbus. Columbus at home, but playing the second of back-to-back on consecutive nights in a key battle for them. Uh, Detroit-Montreal, I think that's a game where Montreal shines tonight. And uh, Arizona on the second of back-to-backs goes into St. Louis. Both teams have been among the hotter clubs in the second half of the season. And another later game, San Jose and Winnipeg, that's going to be a possible playoff matchup preview, and that should be a thriller. Calgary should walk all over New Jersey. I think there's some DFS value in that one. Nashville and Anaheim, I still feel I feel the same way about the visitors there. That's my breakdown. What say you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I personally will obviously uh, be tuned in to that Washington-Pittsburgh game, but if you uh, are just looking for great matchups and good hockey tonight, Boston-Columbus uh, as the other early game and then follow that up with San Jose-Winnebag uh, a little bit later, you could you know watch uh, part of each. I think there's some phenomenal uh, playoff-level hockey that we're going to see tonight as teams uh, fight, you know, fight for their spot and uh you know solidify their their team heading into the postseason here uh in terms of what the optimizer looks like tonight uh gonna start off uh with Evgeny Kuznetsov uh, for Washington 7200 pairing him at center with Ryan O'Reilly for St. Louis uh for 6700 uh both top line uh, top power play guys uh, on the wings, uh, going back to Washington with Alexander Ovechkin paying up that $9,000 price tag. So that's a pretty big, those first three guys carrying a heavy, uh, number there. So, uh, optimizer spitting out some, some, uh, cheaper options in Corey Perry for Anaheim at 4,500. That's a really low price tag for him. Uh, so I can definitely see, uh, why he's included there. Flip Zadena for Detroit at 3,200, uh, borderline, uh, the lowest price guy, but second line, second power play there. And then a guy you touched on Max Jones for Anaheim. Uh, third line first power play at 3100 obviously if those guys get bumped off the power play uh you know line combinations today i think their names will come off the optimizer as well but as long as they're in their roles they'll fill out there uh defensively on the blue line uh the optimizers paying up for two guys in brent burns uh for 7300 and john carlson again for washington at 6500 and then a bit of a contrarian pick here out of the optimizer, not necessarily one that, that I would go with personally, but uh, it likes to use John Gibson tonight for Anaheim against Nashville at 7,400. Uh, that definitely, if it pays off and you use that, you will definitely find yourself as topic uh, on the top half because I think John Gibson uh, ownership will be pretty low heading into tonight's lineup. Well, and I look at the matchups here tonight, and I consider the fact that a couple of teams are on back-to-backs and a couple of teams are injury-ravaged. We touched on both storylines, so I won't repeat them. But I'm going to go lean hard on Calgary and St. Louis in my lineup tonight. Sean Monaghan, 
my one of my centers has been a consistent scorer all season long and this is a really tasty matchup for him at home against a visiting team that really hasn't got much left in in the tank and on the roster I'll say that and uh, pairing him with Ryan O'Reilly tipping my hand early there in terms of the two teams I'm leaning on he's $6,700 but he's playing way way above that pay rate of late in terms of FanDuel rewards and uh, I expect that to continue his recent hot streak tonight Elias Lindholm and Matthew Tuchuk are two wingers that I take out of Calgary to bolster my offense paying $5,800 and $5,600 I think I get Matthew Tuchuk really cheap tonight at that $5,600 one of the stronger value plays that I see Detroit has been manhandled a couple of times by Montreal this season at home I think Montreal has a chance to do that again at home uh, at home tonight uh, when the sweaters are switched and Andrew Shaw is a guy that figures to give Detroit fits and I figure he'll reward me at a $5,100 price tag. Brady Shen is another guy that I go back to on the St. Louis roster for $6,300 playing very well of late and uh, should be full value very early in that game I would say. Boston Bruins I think they face a key opponent tonight. I'm looking at one of their linchpins on the blue line to bolster my defense for less than $500 when I can get a guy like Charlie McAvoy in, I do so with relish. And Colton Pareko, I spoke about how well he's played of late. He's picked up his offensive game, and I think he has a chance to extend that streak. $4,600 his price tag. And I'm going to go with Jordan Bennington tonight as the presumptive starter for St. Louis in that game against the visiting Yotes. Well, there's uh, definitely some uh, some over, not necessarily overlap, but some similar thoughts uh, for both of us here. I actually also really like uh, Calgary tonight, uh, so I'm actually going to take their full second line. So our overlap will be Matthew Tuchuk at 5600. As you said, that's a steal, uh, and then you can pair him up with the rest of his line mates, Miko Backlund uh, for 5500, and then Michael Froelich at 3700. So some real good value for top six guys. Uh, because I saved money using Calgary, uh, you're not going to get me to avoid using uh, Sidney Crosby or Jake Gensel tonight. I'm going to use both. Sid comes in at 9,300. Jake Gensel at 7,700. These guys have just been playing too well together and too hot for me to to avoid them. Uh, I actually uh, end up with a bit of a Nashville stack with what's left of my lineup here. Uh, assuming he continues to hold down a top line role, I'll use Wayne Simmons at 4,300. If he gets bumped, I might consider shuffling that around. Uh, defensively, I'm going to use PK Subban. 5,400, I think, uh, is a great value for him. I get there have been times where his numbers haven't been great this season, uh, but paired up uh, going in against Anaheim, I think, uh, is an ideal matchup for him. I like Jakob Truba for, for Winnipeg tonight. It is a tough out against San Jose. 5,300 is the price tag there, but with the other injuries on that blue line, I think he uh, is going to have to contribute more offensively and hopefully can for me tonight. Uh, and then I'm taking the opposite of what the optimizer told our listeners here to do. I'm going to go pick a Rene for Nashville tonight. 8,200 uh, Anaheim. We talked about them uh, being down uh, and, you know, using some young guys here. So I think Nashville has a great opportunity to walk away with a win. And now it's time for our stud and rant of the week. I mean, you know, we're seeing some forwards now being used more and more. You mentioned Mitch Marner getting special teams role on not only the power play, but shorthanded in in Florida, we've seen maybe the first two players that benefited from all this extra ice time were Jonathan Huberdeau and Alex Barkov. They led the league in terms of point production last week, 
Huberto with four goals, five assists. Barkov with two goals and seven assists. And they're regularly getting right around. Well, Barkov's well over 20 minutes a game, and Huberto is approaching it. So they're leaning on their stars, and you're seeing that more and more. And in terms of a, a paying customer like me who go, likes to go to the games, I like to see the best players on the ice a lot. Of, and right now, this team is, is delivering the goods, even though they're not going to be factoring into the playoffs i get to see their best players play lots of ice time and that's fine with me and i think it's a great recipe for other teams and other players to look look forward at too i mean even in toronto there's been a long-standing debate why doesn't austin matthews get more than 16 or 17 minutes a game count me in the camp that would like to see more of that yeah i mean i i think obviously you need to you need to manage uh manage your guys but if they're conditionings there and they're capable which i certainly think austin matthews is um i i don't see any reason not to play uh forwards upwards of 20 minutes per game i i think if they're if they can handle the the workload and they're not coming back to the bench completely gassed every single shift uh why not absolutely i i think that's a great call by you uh and a great outline uh that that the florida panthers have here in using those guys obviously you know if you have uh more depth uh, and don't necessarily need to utilize them. That could obviously be the factor in Toronto, um, but it's certainly something to consider. I, I, I like the call there, Paul. In terms of the rant of the week, the NHL just finished their general manager's meeting, and they're considering some rule changes. One is one that I want to spend some time on here to close out the show this week, AJ, and it's they're considering that goalies should not be allowed to freeze a puck on a shoot-in, even though a player might be roaring in right on top of them. In fact, I saw a game recently in Toronto where Freddie Anderson had a puck lobbed in, and right away there were forwards converging on him right in his face, and the referee's yelling at him, move the puck, move the puck. Well, he moved the puck, and then it got moved right into his net. So, uh, you know, I, I think when a goalie has a player on top of him, he should be allowed to freeze the puck, particularly when his cre- he's in his crease, as Anderson was. I don't think you want to change that element of the game. Scoring's already up well enough around the league, but you don't want to just hand out uh, greasy giveaways on, on situations where uh, a goalie has one thing in mind and because of ref- referee's prompt he throws the puck away and it goes right into his net I think I don't think what that's that's a spectacle the NHL wants to to feed into so I think the powers that we want to want to limit these kinds of situations too so let the goalies have their rights to control the puck and freeze it when a player is opposing them that's something that's been in hockey forever and ever as long as they're in the crease I mean outside the crease they're certainly subject to soccer rules apply the same way a uh, uh, keeper is not allowed to use his hands outside the crease uh, too freely and uh, I, I think that uh, goalies should be protected a little bit uh, because otherwise you have players roaring in on them and I could see the day when somebody just goes hell-bent for leather on a goalie on a shoot and just runs right over him and what's going to happen then yeah I, I definitely agree you know I think um you know, I do think there there are situations where uh, it probably does get get frozen uh, a, a little too early, um, and and the goalie should move it. But here's the problem with potentially trying to enforce something like this: is that uh, you're going to have situations where uh, you're opening up an additional judgment call that the referee needs to make on whether or not um, you know if you're thinking about imposing a penalty for, for freezing it too much, then you're opening up additional judgment calls. Well, was this player close enough to, to justify it? Was it not? And so I, I agree. I, I don't necessarily think we need a rule change here. One proposed rule change that I do really, uh, like and find intriguing is the idea of allowing, uh, the coach to decide, uh, in the first face off of a, 
of a power play, uh, which side of the ice they want that faceoff to come on. I, I think that's a really intriguing rule. Uh, it does obviously give a little bit more of an advantage to the power play team, um, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. And so I actually like the idea there of potentially allowing a coach, you know, obviously Patrick Line has got a sniping side that he prefers same uh, with uh, Alexander Ovechkin. And so to be able to have that first faceoff and be able to get uh, some quick goals right off the, the start there, I think is good uh, opportunity for the team. Well, AJ, we're entering the part of the season that I really look forward to, and that's the play- final playoff push and anticipating the first two rounds of the playoffs. There's lots of DFS fun to be had over the next couple of weeks as well because you know the big players are going to be playing a ton. It's uh, going to be interesting to see how it all shakes down with the playoff races. We uh, look forward to bringing uh, you all that information in coming weeks. That wraps up this episode of Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into Puckcast to get our tips to he- stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 